Hello and welcome to Somebody's Watching. I'm Ellie Levy. This is part two of the top three horror films of the decade endeavor. This time we focused on the 2000s and the 2010s. I'm back with Sarah Nydorf, the co-director of Final Girls Berlin, and Jess Sweetman, horror lover extraordinaire. After we finished discussing our lists, we talked a bit about our favorite decades and certain common themes that popped up for us. As previously mentioned, there's a letterbox list with all of our picks, which you can find at Ellie Levy. Here are our top three horror films of the 2000s and the 2010s. Part two of this voyage. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So we are at the 2000s, the millennium. Um, Y2K. Y2K, exactly. Everyone's got big, bleached, chunky stripes in their hair. (laughs) And a lot of uh, silver clothes and (laughs) things like that. Um, got tinfoil wrapped around my head. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> the world might end, so. Um, uh, I guess, Sarah, you were quite young then. Did you, like, did that even? Of course it did. I was still a avid media consumer at the age of 10. Okay. <laughs> Aww, I could have babysat you if we went in different continents. <laughs> It's true. You could have been my corrupting babysitter. I hit 20 in the year 2000. I could have corrupted you so well. <laughs> I think that there, wasn't, there wasn't much left to corrupt. Oh, you could have corrupted me. My yeah, probably. 20. I would have disturbed you. Um, all right, Jess, do you want to start with your first choice? This is so exciting. Um, Yeah, so a little intro. I just, I thought when we talked about horror from the 2000s, I drew the biggest blank in the whole wide world, aside from the fact that I thought The Descent was made in 1996 because I have no concept of time, even though I saw it at the cinema. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, when I first thought 2000s horror, I'm like, what came out? All I could sort of picture was, you know, the, the kind of dying part of the tragic 90s mainstream American horror world. And then I started thinking about it for the, the last sort of two and a half weeks. And, oh, my God, there's so much good shit. There's so much good shit. And I have a list that is long. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are 28 films on this list. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of them I haven't seen there to watch it. Um, which I was supposed to watch this week. But anyway, so it was really hard picking three. I'm still in a lot of emotional pain due to it, but luckily I'm a consummate professional, so I'll keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So my first movie, as I've already spoiled, um, is The Descent. Um, So the 2005, Jess, 
film, The Descent, by British director Neil Marshall, is a film that has made me scream out loud in my own house. <laughs> um, I don't think there's many. I am a hard-hearted bitch when it comes to horror. I can only picture two films that have actually done that. So one of them is The Descent, because for me, it is the most intense dark, beautiful film that does a couple of things that I really, really love. It shows female friendship. Yeah. Um, both the good and the bad sides of female friendship. It explores grief and pain and the central character who has lost her her child and her husband in this like horrible accident and the the impact of this trauma on her life. So you see this very vulnerable character go into it the third thing, which is the most upsetting place, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, on earth, they go potholing um, or caving, I guess. I don't know if those are, that's an American versus English. Don't they say spelunking? Mm. Spelunking. Mm-hmm. That's a word you like, don't get to bust out too often. That sounds like a sex game. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um <laughs> I'm going to spelunk all over you. Okay, you can cut that one out. Um, <laughs> it sounds like the sound that Chiz makes while spying on something. I need to stop talking now. Okay, <laughs> you can cut this out too. We'll see. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so the, the, horrible, the horrible nightmare scenario for me is potholing this idea that you go into a cave where you cannot see the sky and you cannot see a way out and you have to mm-hmm. just climb through these tiny, dark, slimy, dripping places under the earth. Like the idea of that in itself is horrific to me. Then you bring in the social dynamics and you bring in really, really good characterization. You know, people who are complex and interesting and and you have, you know, the main character and then you have her antagonist who is this kind of, all-American power gal um, who it happened... Oh, can I spoil her? Yeah. Oh, good. Who was also shagging the the now-dead husband. So you have all of this amazing drama underneath, and then they go into a pothole. And then if that's not bad enough, they get attacked by a bunch of creatures. Um, Creatures. Creatures. And there's terrible, gory deaths of people that I genuinely don't want to be terribly, gorily killed. There's this incredible... Um, scene setting and the darkness with the use of light and the use of sound and the gruesomeness of the creatures they don't show you too much they do it very well and then you have you know the central the the character and what she's going through and it's beautiful and also it's a, a group of women it's told by a group of women and to have kind of a film about a group of women being picked off one by one by monsters, but it's not a slasher film and it's it doesn't lean into any of those tropes is, to me, magical. And, yeah, The Descent will always be very close to my heart. I also have a good anecdote. My, mm-hmm. friend, my friend Katie, when she lived in London, they lived in a flat above the guy who designed the creatures in The Descent, and he had a shed outside, which was his workshop, and in the window of that shed was one of those creatures. So every time you looked out of their kitchen window, it was fucking terrifying, Um, which is awesome. Every creature designer, I hope, does this to their neighbours. 
<laughs> I would love to live across from that. You would. You really would. <laughs> I would make my day. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent choice. Um, yes. So my first choice would be uh, May. Oh my God, you stole mine. <laughs> I I deliberately didn't go with May because I knew you two would go. <laughs> oh God. I thought it was going just Sarah and then Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just me and you. Dang it. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see how much we have in common here. We might have quite a few. Um, so yeah, directed by Lucky McGee um, from 2002. Um, I saw this uh, in high school. Um, and I saw this with my non-horror loving friend and, uh, even she could appreciate it, even though she was mortified, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was, it definitely felt like my kind of movie immediately. Um, just to explain a little, uh, so it's about May, uh, who's a a lonely young woman played by Angela Bettis, the icon. Angela (laughs) Bettis! (laughs) Who, um, yeah, grows up with a like a porcelain doll as her only friend, um, and she as a grown up she tries to get closer to people um, like horned up colleague Anna Ferris <laughs> and horror loving Jeremy Sisto, um, but something always goes wrong and she likes parts of them but not everything about them. Um, yeah, and just like this blend of, of indie drama and fun, icky horror is um, so finely calibrated uh, in a way that's really up my alley. Um, and I just love that this movie exists. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's nothing quite like it. And yeah, I wish we could have something like this again, but I think it is kind of a unique once in a lifetime <laughs> kind of movie. So um, I always kind of, you know, there are movies that are, kind of play with these similar ideas, um, but it's never done as well as May. That's how I feel. Yeah, it's amazing. I had, um, I watched it, I think, Ellie or Sarah, which one of you did the screening of May? Sorry. Um, um, maybe it was our Women on the Verge, was it? Yeah, it was maybe the Women, on the, women on the Verge. Maybe, or maybe it was I, your, maybe it was maybe your it thing. Yeah. It could have been a queer, yeah, it could have been a queer yeah. film It was club. either queer okay. film club film club or women on the verge but um yeah a friend of mine came along and she she said um, the casting of jeremy sisto she said it's perfect because he is exactly the dirtbag who will use you <laughs> <laughs> like yes that's jeremy sisto's like star power mm. all over. <laughs> so yeah the beautiful dirtbag all right sarah do you want to go into maybe your may stuff <laughs> Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't prepare a great speech, <laughs> but I just, I, I think that that film is such a beautiful depiction of a creepy outcast. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, Lord knows I have at least felt like a creepy outcast on a number of occasions. I'm, I'm guessing you, you both may have as well. Check. Um, you know, I mean she she struggles to make friends so she so she makes her own out of um body parts mm-hmm. and it's there's just something about it that like speaks to my inner abject 8-year-old that like you know struggled with like friendship jealousy on the playground and shit like that like it <laughs> it speaks to like my core uh you know like the darkest 
like a primordial self, I think. (laughs) I really, really really love that film. I love Angela Bettis. Um, I remember that um, Anna Faris was in it, who Mm -hmm. was famous for those scary movie comedies. And I don't know, there was something about seeing her in that that also just like tickled me at the time. I just thought (laughs) it was like this weird kind of like this queer friendship that they had an obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's very yeah. real. God. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, a, it's just a great film. Angela Bettis, as you said, is an icon. She, her acting is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just does. It just does something to me that very few films do and speaks yeah. to me in a very particular way. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I think you, you said most of what needs to be said, but I'm, I'm glad that we agree on that one. Of course. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how when you meet someone and you think you like them, but then the more you talk to them, you see parts you don't like. Everyone always thought May was different. Jesus, what are you doing? Relaxing. Doesn't it hurt? Ow! You crazy bitch! But really, she was just misunderstood. I need a real friend. Someone I can hold. Don't be mad. Then, one day, May met Adam. Hello? The boy I saw today is different. So what do you do, May? I work at the animal hospital. When I left for vacation, my dog had four legs. You can't sew it back on, can you? I could. Some people think it's kind of gross. I love gross. Baba Hotep. It's my second film. Um, It is a very, 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 very special film for me. Don Coscarelli is the director of the Phantasm films, um, which I know have a big following, and I haven't watched. And then I watched and was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird one. Yeah, it's a very horny teenage boy kind of scenario. Baba Hotep is not. Baba Hotep is beautiful and magical and wonderful, and it blends um, some disgusting body horror with this beautiful parable about aging, about how we treat old people in society because it's set in a rest home, like a care facility where um, Bruce Campbell's aging Elvis has been incarcerated in there after swapping lives with Sebastian Haff, who is an Elvis impersonator, who is the one who apparently went on to die as Elvis. And so Elvis is trapped being Sebastian Half in this care home. And he is friends with Ozzy Davis, who plays John F. Kennedy, who claims that he wasn't in fact assassinated, but was the CIA put him into the, the body of Ozzy Davis. And they have to try and solve the mystery of a mummy who is attacking and killing residents in the care home. Um, It's suitably ridiculous, obviously, (laughs) um, but it's also one of the most heartfelt films I've ever seen, like that you really, really feel for the characters and there is like this beautiful friendship and kindness in the way that um, Elvis (laughs) and John F. Kennedy Jr., no, John F. Kennedy Sr., treat each other. Um, And it's also got this real, really existential feeling because it's about, you know, the end of life and it's about a man who 
looks back and has so much shame and looks back and has so much embarrassment about his life. And he, you know, keeps talking about his ex-wife Priscilla and how wondering if she, she'd miss him and thinking about, you know, that she left him and he doesn't see his child anymore. And he sees himself as having failed. And then he gets a a redemption arc and trying to fight this mummy. (laughs) And, and like one of the things that I will always remember about the film is the music as well. The score of it is absolutely beautiful. It's this sort of stripped down Americana kind of sound, this like American rootsy sound. And it mm. and it just kind of picks up your heart and just flies it. So a film that should be like a silly, schlocky horror is actually a beautiful musing on on life and death. Mm. Yeah. It's magical. That makes me want to rewatch it. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I really want to rewatch it now. I've only seen it once. Me too. Yeah. Don't do it and then watch Phantasm like I did because you'll just be disappointed after. another selection here that another film that maybe one of you chose as well so should i go for that one or the one that maybe is more because maybe then go for that one and then if if i did choose it i won't uh, i won't mention it okay okay so um my next choice is dalmapu in my skin yep that was also on my list (laughs) but i'm happy to talk about two other films if you talk about this one okay okay so um also directed um not also uh directed and made in 2002 uh and written directed and starring marina devin yeah in in 2017 at the final girls so yeah i remember like a couple of my i had like this uh french artist friend who like he came out like in, in such a, he was like so reverent of that film. Mm. Like, I believe you're showing this masterpiece. <laughs> so excited to watch it on the big screen. He was just like, uh, he was really enthused. Yeah. I think Jupiter as well came out very dazed and amazed. Um, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, it's about um, Esther who um, played by Marina Devant, who um, yeah, seems to be really doing well in her career and personal life um, until this, kind of accident happens at a party that uh, changes everything for her. Um, so she cuts her leg up pretty badly. And uh, instead of letting it heal, she becomes kind of fascinated by the cut and is constantly like picking at it and playing with it, getting obsessed with it. And um, basically like wondering how to sustain this new era of her body, I'd say. Um so she, yeah, it kind of gets more and more, it escalates, obviously, what she does to herself. Um, and I'd say this is like probably my favorite new French extremity film, um, though um, Inside L'Interieur is a close second. Um, 
And that's definitely like a 2000s thing, this kind of new French extremity uh, movement. Um, yeah, as you said, we showed it at our fest, which was a proud moment. Also, like kind of in the beginning of our fest. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, that's it really stuck with me. Um, and honestly, like I watched because um, it was between this and inside for me um, and this top three. And I think I think this is more my vibe right now. <laughs> so. yeah, it, also, it also feels good to have something finally on the list directed by a woman. By women, yeah, by a woman. Yeah, <laughs> is sure. it the first of any of the ones we've mentioned so far? Um, let me, earlier, I think there might be. Uh, oof, yeah, probably. it was very Right. Yeah, this might be the first. It was also I was like happy finally in the two thousands. Okay, there's something that I'm like exactly. stoked yeah. to put on my list. But Same. Yes, tough tough times and <laughs> for, <laughs> for women in every area of uh, arts and media. Mm-hmm. Apart from a night all to times. dismember. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say, Jess? Apart from a night to dismember. Uh, <laughs> yes, this was. Uh... You're obsessed with this. <laughs> Did you did you list this one, Jess? <laughs> it, it got an honorable mention. It got an honorable mention. Okay. <laughs> Dis- dishonorable mention. Yes. Um, okay, so I'm glad you mentioned In My Skin. I, mm-hmm. I also love this film, but I will mention Dog Tooth now mm-hmm. um, by Yorgos Lanthimos. It's a Greek fi- film, but there's like an isn't there a name for this? The New Greek Weird or something? Yeah, Weird Wave or something. Yeah. Weird Wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's from 2009 and this film has everything right it has like a family that's trapped inside by a controlling patriarch uh, there's some incest going on they like invent their own kind of language and weird games and weird customs there's an unforgettable dance scene as well <laughs> um, there's imitations of uh, of the movie Rocky I mean, it's just like, it's such a, a smorgasbord of utterly bizarre moments and uh, yeah. manages to chill you to the bone while also being quite, quite hilarious, dryly hilarious. Um, so yeah, this was, this was kind of a horror adjacent choice, but mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite films of all time. So I couldn't yeah. not list it. Of course. Yeah. Great choice. I have never seen it and I cannot wait. Yes, Jess, please watch Dog Tooth, and then I hope you also watch almost everything else in his filmography, because it's, uh, I mean, you've seen The Favourite, right? That was his I haven't reason. seen The Favourite. I saw, is he the one who did The Killing of a Sacred Deer? Yes. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I loved that and vowed to watch everything he'd done, and then a butterfly flew past, and I just <laughs> after it, and here I am now. I also recommend The Alps. This is one of his older films that has been kind of forgotten but i think it's really strong too sweet actually i think um the director of um our short that we show today uh this this year uh the greek one what was it called again um amygdala exactly amygdala um she's actually i think she worked on some of his sets because she's greek Um, so that's awesome yeah, there's a connection, some kind of connection to him through yeah. her. When I, when I was in Greece with Corinna in like 2017, we stayed in the same apartment building as where Yor- Yorgos Lanthimos was. Oh. Um, I think it was maybe where he had his office or something like that. Oh, that nice. cool. <laughs> and he has a new movie coming out this year. I heard. Yeah, so it's exciting with Willem Dafoe and yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, my third film is uh, American Psycho, um, mm-hmm. which for me, it's a lot of my rules in the fact that it's a film based on a book by Brett Easton Ellis, which I did not like. Mm-hmm. And it's a film with um, the word American in the title, which I now, as a rule, refuse to watch any film with the word American something in the title because I find it <laughs> lazy and annoying. <laughs> is, there, is there a certain like a cutoff point for you where you were like, that's the last one? Um, it was just when I got Netflix. Uh, yeah, I think it might have been around American Sniper, to be fair, um, mm-hmm. which I which I did not watch because why would I? <laughs> um, but American Psycho has everything. The fact that Mary Harron, a woman I would lay down my soul for, um, for good reason. I thought you were going to say you would like lay down in front of a moving truck for. for I, would, I would also do that. Maybe she, if she's listening, Mary Harron, don't test me. Okay. <laughs> don't test me. My life is precious. Um, <laughs> I'd like get a coffee or something. That's fine. Um, but Mary Heron took a book that is not only misogynist and violent against women and kind of boring, really boring, mm-hmm. um, and made this beautiful feminist piece of art from it, which is also an iconic and visually astounding horror film it's just magical i'm so impressed that she managed to do this my favorite thing about watching american psycho is watching the women react to patrick bateman Mm. um especially the women who have to be there um and seeing you know the the disdain they have for him makes me very very happy um this film is a is a beautiful critique of you know the upper classes of America and money culture and yeah I have a lot of belief that most of the billionaires in the world are also psychopaths so this feeds into Mm. um my beliefs on that um Mm -hmm. great choice yeah it's also on my honorable mention list um yeah, no, she, I mean, we, we've also been thinking about showing it at the fest uh, at some point. Um, we should invite Mary Harron. <laughs> we've actually shown uh, one of her films, Charlie Says. Um, so my uh, last film in the top three is uh, Memories of Murder uh, from 2003, directed by Bong Joon-ho, mm-hmm. uh, who also directed Parasite and Mother. Mother. Um, yeah, but I do believe that's on, my, that's on my honorable mentions. Oh, nice. Um, I do believe this is um, his best film, uh, Memories of Murder. Um, it's a it's a crime thriller about an elusive serial killer and the detective's um, obsessive quest to find who it is, to find the culprit. Um, and yeah, I find it to be one of the best mystery films, and it's kind of reminiscent of Fincher's Zodiac, but I do believe it's superior. Um, yeah, and there's nothing like tidy here and, um, the ending is brilliant and really gripping and it's, it's a long one. It's a longer film, but it's, it's never boring. Um, yeah, Mm. I definitely recommend more on the thriller side than like pure horror or something, but, um, really good, really solid. This is a good recommendation because I never watched thrillers of my own volition Mm. and I Mm. did, um, I ended up watching um, 
the host in preparation for this, um, his creature film, and mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was just, it was so fucking good. It mm-hmm. was really good. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm excited to, tonight's going to be wild in film <laughs> terms for me. Great. All right, Sarah. So yes, I had Mother was very high on my list, but I would I would have liked to rewatch it. I think I I didn't want to talk about it without having rewatched it, honestly. So that might be the only reason that I'm not mentioning Mother, um, because that's a, an awesome film. Um, I really like Bong Joon Ho. Uh, okay, so then I'm down to my tough pick between mm-hmm. um, I have a a properly good film, which is Let the Right One In. Which uh, mm-hmm. from two thousand eight, Thomas Alfredson, um, and then I have a trash pick, which I think I'm actually going to go with, and mm-hmm. that's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses from two thousand. Rob Zombie, which I, I remember I watched this film at a sleepover, which is somehow the perfect place to watch this, right? Like a bunch of thirteen year old girls who are like. Uh, you know, they just, we just wanted to watch something disgusting and 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 dirty and profane, <laughs> and, and this 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 totally was uh this fit the bill perfectly, and um, I mean it's like a colorful kind of like ghost house like carnival ride. It started my <laughs> my friendship with with Sid Haig, which, because I, I used to go to the Monster Mania Horror Convention in uh, which was like right outside of Philly in some hotel in New Jersey. Um, I went there every year from two thousand four until two thousand seven, maybe I think. So like ages fourteen to seventeen. And Sid Haig was always there signing memorabilia and signing headshots. And I used to just hang out at his table and like pester him with questions and kind of like play, you know what I mean? Like, he was a clown, you know? So I was like, I was just kind of clowning with him. (laughs) That's the actual coolest thing in the world. I know. I have so many things signed by him. It's like, it's stupid. He signed everything. And he was really nice about it all. Like, I would just like, hand him whatever scrap of anything and get his signature on it. <laughs> and all the all the action figures from Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses and whatever signed posters. Stuff from his days doing like uh you know, he did the movie Spider Baby in mm-hmm. I that was a late fifties or early sixties. But um yeah, he had a film career before that which was like, yeah, quite quite fringe and and like B movies and yeah, great stuff. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I really, I, I remember seeing actually like an early trailer for House of a Thousand Corpses. Like it was like a teaser trailer before the film had even finished production and it had like footage in it that didn't even end up in the final film. And mm-hmm. I remember it like, it remained like this extremely important, like glimpse of horror that I had in, in my fantasy for years. I think it probably was in like, 2000 it was like much earlier than the film was, was finally it? released because i imagine it took several years for it to actually happen i think i was read it that part as well. of uh, grindhouse 
Sorry? Was it part of Grindhouse, like the original like cinematic version of Grindhouse when they had the two movies? Oh. I know Rob Zombie did a trailer. Oh, um, it could be that, that, yeah, it could be that there was a, a trailer. For, but I think that came later, Grindhouse. That came a couple of years later. This was like, this was a few years before it came out. Anyway, I don't know. I'm just rambling a bit. But there, I remember that there was something about that trailer that came out in like 2000 or 2001 that like stuck with me and haunted me in like a really exciting way where I was like, I need to see this movie. <laughs> so there was like a hype that was built up in me for, for years when I was a kid. And then it came out and it like exceeded all of my greatest uh, nightmarish <laughs> fantasies and wishes. And I really, yeah, I, it has a major soft spot in my heart, even though I think it was... It was quite critically panned. Like I remember, I remember the critics liked Devil's Rejects, which I like as well. But I was a little bit, I don't know. It didn't like speak to me the same way that House of a Thousand Corpses did. And uh, I wish there was more shit like that around. Like that—that's my shit. But I guess the fact yeah. that it is, you know, it's quite—it's it, a—it's its own monster. And I'm, I guess that's part of why uh, I love it that there's not more shit out there like it. Um, right. I, right. I don't really yes. get the panning that Rob Zombie gets as a director. Like, I really don't. I fucking loved his Halloween, but... Yeah. I mean, Halloween I... 2 was half good. It would have been amazing if he hadn't made the other half of it. <laughs> to me, this is, like, this is his masterwork, in my opinion, but I, I still see every... I mean, if, if he comes out with a new film, I'll see it, you know? Mm. There I know was a really kind film. of unfortunate film, the last, right, the last Sid Haig film with those the trio, right? The three... Devils or the three, what's it called? The Unholy Three or something like that. I, I, yeah, I don't remember what it was called. Together, and it, was not it was not very good, huh? That last one. No. Yeah, that, that was a bit of a miss. I mean, you know, it's okay. I don't I don't need, he doesn't need to be a consistently amazing director for me to still yeah. be obsessed with this film. That's <laughs> yeah, not what yeah. schlock horror is about. I'm, mm. I'm wondering if uh, maybe the Blu-ray has some of these deleted scenes as well. If you, maybe, I don't know. Oh yeah, good question. Yeah, I'm, I I think I read I read somewhere else about this early trailer. Like I, it was years ago, but mm-hmm. I think it was something about how it took a fucking million years for this film to actually be made, like mm-hmm. to find a studio to release it and stuff like that. Right. Hmm. So yeah, I, I I mean I also could have I could have talked at length and passionately about Let the Right One In too. This is one of my favorite films, and I I saw it on a dark winter's night. Uh, at a cinema in Philly with my mom and it was like snowing like crazy and we were both just obsessed with, with that film and, and talked about it for years and mm-hmm. it's still one of my favorite films as well but anyway I figured I would I would tell you the fun story about the sleepover when I was 13 instead. <laughs> this podcast is just making me want to have been friends with Sarah as a child <laughs> I wish I had babysat you now Sarah <laughs> and any um, honorable mention Sarah that you want to yeah, so let's see what else is on my list. I had Mother. I had the Orphan. <laughs> <laughs> orphan Fest. Orphan. <laughs> yes, this is this is a reference to the time we watched the the Orphan sequel, and uh, and we watched them both actually back to back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, not a, not an amazing film, but I I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> and then I I have Moon on the list, um, Moon. starring. Oh, Moon, Sam of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, Kevin Spacey's yeah. voice as a robot. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well. But um, this, I really, I really like this. I really like, uh, like space horror sometimes. And this, mm-hmm. this one worked for me. I found it very touching. Um, I also had Ginger Snaps on yes. my mm-hmm. honorable mentions from 2000. Uh, and I believe I've gone 
Yeah, I believe that's it. Hospitals and Corpses, May. Yep. Oh, Anatomy. Anatomy from 2000 was also on my honorable mention. So I get my honorable mentions, and then we'll get to you, Jess, because you have a ton, apparently. <laughs> so, um, so I think, actually, Sarah, this might be maybe yours, too. I don't know. Uh, Bug? Oh, my God. I forgot about Bug. <laughs> Michael yeah. Shannon. Yes, Michael <laughs> Shannon is a major figure in my cinematic psyche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also film about, like, obsession and... Uh yeah just was this also when take shelter was that this decade yeah uh, no um it was 2011 okay there you go okay right. well yeah so um 28 days later um yeah. yes i also <laughs> haven't Mine thought too. about this in a while but great yeah ginger snapped as well um shadow of the vampire the um behind the scenes nosferatu movie with willem dafoe <laughs> yeah totally. um, Shaun of the dead i mean you know Mm-hmm. Uh, the Descent and American Psycho. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What about you, Jess? Um, so the ones I was, I was really like stuck on whether to go with the 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 one that most sprung to mind was The Mist. I I love The Mist. The ending of The Mist is something I was astounded by. And Mortifying. Yeah. It, 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 that like, sounds just creepy as fuck. It sucked the air from my body and for that I will be eternally grateful to Frank <laughs> Darabond, even if he went off to make a series that I don't care about. Um, yeah, I love it. Even though it's like hammy Stephen King. Maybe that is why I love it anyway. Mm, sure. Because, you know, Carrie and... Yeah. Oh, Marsha Gay Harden in it. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Massive props to Marsha Gay Harden. Just like hamming it up all over the place is like the, <laughs> <laughs> the hate preacher all right um, yeah that's she plays yeah yeah, yeah. i remember she that. should be in everything um a couple of others um fido i don't know if you ever saw fido's one with billy Connolly. oh yes the dog one yes. i never saw it i saw i remember seeing it at blockbuster video you know on, on the shelves <laughs> fido was so good he it's a, a post zombie apocalypse where the zombies are kind of basically trained up by humans to be servants in the house and it's kind of a 50s pastiche as well um and fido again is one of those slightly heart-rending um beautiful ridiculous films um may was on my on my honorable mentions of course and the remake dawn of the dead um because Mm. i Mm. was obsessed with zombie movies at that point um and i loved the remake dawn of the dead and i'll stand by it forever anything that has sarah polly killing zombies is all right in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one was Dead Man's Shoes, uh, Shane Meadows film. Um, oh, familiar. Oh, God, it's so good. It's Paddy Considine um, getting revenge, basically. Um, and it's wonderful. Also, Wolf Creek, mm-hmm. uh, the other film that made me scream out loud in my own house. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, the Orphan, obviously. I don't, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't see why you'd say it wasn't good. It's clearly the greatest film ever made um and oh slither as well uh, james gunn um i really enjoyed that again for um what's his name henry portrait of a serial killer michael rooker yeah thank you michael rooker yeah cool okay so you were into zombies and yet Shaun of the dead was not on your list interesting yeah i'm a big um I was a huge spaced fan and I like Shaun of the Dead, but something about it isn't as good as what came before. And I actually preferred the one he made afterwards as well. Um, 
the cop one. <laughs> I thought oh, it was Heart funnier. Or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Shaun of the Dead. It's fine, but okay. it, it doesn't speak to me in the same way that Space did, and I feel I still feel a bit a bit cold about it because of that. Okay. Okay. All right, Jess, on to the tens. Woo! Okay, so the one, um, the film I'm going to talk about, um, I feel like it's cheating if it was shown at Final Girls, like I've stolen it from you guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the film, I actually watched it again this morning, um, was The Invitation. Like, oh hell yeah 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 and um i actually watched it twice in a week the first time i saw it because i watched it on netflix and then i saw it at final girls i think it was a halloween yeah halloween yeah yeah nice. um, yeah and i was watching it this morning and it's just a perfectly crafted piece of horror it makes you curl up into a tiny ball from the first minute of the film like it goes straight in with um, the classic kind of crashing into a coyote on the way up to the house where they've been invited. It introduces the characters really well, but um, and the pacing is incredible. And it's a really, a really intense film about interpersonal dynamics. It's about a group of friends who haven't seen each other in two years since the tragic death of the child of... Um, one of uh, two of the people who have now separated. Um, and so it brings all this drama in again, and it brings all these, the, the incredible level of discomfort. Um, I can only kind of see as being akin to like early Mike Lee films, like Abigail's Party, mm-hmm. which is a classic kind of party, a group of people, like the, the group dynamic that leaves you curled up in a tiny ball going, no. <laughs> Um, and it's a lot about, you know, what is unsaid and what is repressed. It's also got a cult in it, which will always <laughs> will always make me happy. Um, I'm really obsessed with group dynamics and, and brainwashing and coercive control. Michael Huisman, Huisman, who plays the character of David, plays like the partner of the protagonist's ex-wife. And they've mm-hmm. invited people over and the... the he clearly like has coercive control over his partner and is trying to kind of kind of gaslight everybody in the room and there's so much discomfort in that and he does it so well it leaves you feeling icky and disgusting um and i love everything about that i think it's also a parable about um the american upper classes and how you know, their their trauma reactions could actually lead to the destruction of far more than themselves, um, which mm. I think is important. It's such a multi-layered film. The lighting looks really cool as well. My first one um, is pretty obvious, I guess, but I'm still good. <laughs> uh, Hereditary uh, from 2018. That's definitely on my list as well. <laughs> there we go. Um, speaking of grief, I guess, um, yeah, this is, I find one of the, the best depictions of grief and, uh, family torment <laughs> in a film. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, I hadn't really heard of Ari Aster, obviously it's his first film before, uh, but he really blew me away and 
is one of my favorite contemporary horror directors. He has not failed yet. Um, and um, I mean, yeah, I don't think I need to explain the synopsis or something because it's, everyone knows. But um, yeah, it's, it's just a horror masterpiece and bizarre and terrifying and so very sad. And uh, I, yeah, I remember watching it. I think we all watched it at uh, Sarah's birthday. Uh, Happy birthday. Let's <laughs> <laughs> watch Hereditary. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm enamored. I, I, um, I think it's exciting that he's, he's doing this, that he makes films, <laughs> that we, uh, we get mm-hmm. to see him. So. I'm personally really glad that you and Ari Aster found each other. I think it's, <laughs> it's magical from the outside to, to see you guys. Blossom. <laughs> yeah. Blossom. <laughs> Fall more and more in love every day. <laughs> All right, Zara. Yes. So that's great. Hereditary is amazing because you mentioned it. I'm going to take a different approach and not mention it. Okay. Um, I rewatched this film last night for the, for this podcast and I'm very glad I did because it still holds up for me. And that is the eyes of my mother. I don't do this very often. Do what? Go home with people. Neither do I. Your house is so neat. Thank you. Is this your mother? Yes. What did she do? Who's a surgeon in Portugal? What kind? Eyes. We used to do the sections together. What happened to her? I remember I was fascinated by how the inside of the body looked. She always hoped I would be a surgeon one day. Have yeah. you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure from, have. Uh, have I Nicholas... seen any films? <laughs> any films. Yeah, it's from 2016 from Nicholas Pesce or Pesce. I'm not sure how to say his name. Um, and it's about a young woman. They show her from the time she's a kid and her mother was like a surgeon and they're always like dissecting animals together or like dissecting eyes and very like... So they have like a super kind of like nitty gritty close close relationship to anatomy and they're not really like uh, like this typical kind of like disgust reflex towards these things is already not present for, for this girl because of how she was growing up. Um, and here's a big spoiler, which is that when uh, at one point this like traveling salesman comes by and is like, <laughs> oh, can I come in and use your bathroom? Like... And uh, in that, yeah, it, it becomes almost very funny games like, like he keeps pushing her, the mother farther and farther and then eventually just like uh, brutally murders her, like slaughters her in the bathtub. And like, oh, it's, oh it's, 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 it's super disturbing. He's kind of like laughing and very like, yeah, yeah disturbed and gleeful during this process. And she's just like, I don't know, a nine or 10 year old girl, like sitting there and witnessing it all. And uh, then the sorry, I'm giving like a plot overview now because I just watched it. But, <laughs> no, um, good. Yeah, but the father comes home and, and immediately murders uh, the the killer, and then they keep him in the barn tied up, 
And they're also living in complete isolation. So this is very important. Like there's no other humans around in sight. She clearly doesn't have any other friends or any, any other people to talk to. The father becomes uh, mute after this trauma happens and he never speaks again. And so she's just alone uh, with herself, with her mute father and with uh, this man in the barn who she kind of like turns into a doll almost in a very may like uh relationship yeah uh yeah and uh you know cuts his tongue out and blinds him and just kind of keeps him there and they then they show her like flash forward i don't know 10 years or 15 years later and he's still (laughs) alive in Mm. this like creature in the barn and yeah anyway i i feel like i'm going on and on because i'm very obsessed with this film (laughs) for some reason uh and yeah I, I remember i was when i was talking about it with someone they also mentioned the film under the skin which is very mm-hmm. different but is also like a female serial killer movie because she mm-hmm. goes on then to kill other people um and this is important uh and also keeps another she she like stays baby of a woman and then keeps her keeps the mother in the barn in a similar way to the man who'd killed her mother anyway um it's black and white like super beautiful cinematography um there's a lot about loneliness. The father dies at one point. He, she keeps the father's corpse in the house and sleeps with it and has him sitting at the dinner table and even bathes the corpse and gets in the bathtub with him. And like, there's this big kind of, there's like a relation. She has this kind of relationship to the abject. Like she's always in very close, intimate proximity with like, uh, yeah, with, Mm-hmm. just like with dead with 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 corpses or with uh like very you know pe- people who she's brutally mutilated like she's kind of in a very viscerally intimate relationship with uh with these with bodies in this way so i i found that really compelling um also yeah. the way that she seemed you know she she also seems to have a kind of emotional relationship to the people that she comes you know who she's who she's killing or torturing like there's something it's not like a cold sociopathy that she has, but it's more just like this, this kind of trauma response that you see happens because of what she experienced when she was younger. Um, Mm. Yeah. I I think it's a beautiful film, (laughs) a beautiful and deeply disturbing film. It's only 75 minutes long, by the way. So it's a, I wouldn't say it's like a quick and fun watch, but it's, uh, (laughs) it happens really like it's super compelling the whole way. Yeah, it was actually on my honorable mention, but then I remember kind of being a little disappointed by the way it the last twenty minutes or so. Yeah, the last like minute, like the the ending, it, it's too quick of a wrap up, and it doesn't it doesn't really follow. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I I forgive it. I forgive a bad ending. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, the way also you described it was great. Yeah, for my second film, uh, Ellie, I'm really sorry, but I've been cheating on you with your husband, Ariasta. <laughs> As you well know, Midsummer mm-hmm. is one of the greatest films I've ever seen, in my humble opinion, in my rather grandiose opinion. Um, uh, <laughs> when when I first watched Midsummer, when she is, when they have the amazing last shot of Florence Pugh going from crying to beaming with everything going on behind her. Um, I also, I joined her. I beamed as well. And I have been signed up hook, line and sinker ever since. Um, 
is the cinematic cult I would join in a second. Sorry, <laughs> old people. Uh, <laughs> I love the way he depicts the cult as this, well, to me, it just seems like this beautiful alternative to the life that she already has because she's a character who is grieving the most violent death of her family, the most, like, something, how would you ever get over this? And then she's got this boyfriend who's just insufferable twat and his friends <laughs> who are insufferable twats as well, who are just these cold, uncaring people for this woman who is in so much distress and so much pain. And I'm like, yeah, you should join this cult. They're your family now. <laughs> no, I know it's way more complex than that. I love that song. <laughs> and there's so much more to it, but actually like the actual visceral joy I felt at the end of Midsummer, it was like it was this, this beautiful love story about a woman being able to find her place and find her people and stop stop these horrible relationships which are destroying her. Um, so in a way, I've kind of gaslit myself with Midsummer because they're obviously a cult who does some like pretty fucked up shit. Um, <laughs> Did we also you- watch this on my birthday, you guys? Watch it on my birthday. It was Ellie. It was on your birthday. Every after is birthday time. Yeah. I also just wanted to chime in to say that uh, the boyfriend in In My Skin is also an insufferable twat. Right. right. So this is this is a good uh, run, like through line in a lot yeah. of the films that we're choosing. Leaving right. the insufferable twat through horrendous violence. This is what mm-hmm. the 2010s brought us. <laughs> yes excellent choice yes um okay well my my next film features kind of an insufferable twat but uh, a young one a very young one uh the babadook um yes also on my on my uh, honorable mentions nice um yeah 2014 directed by jennifer kent we also film uh, uh feature this at the fest um so yeah, it's about a single mother who lost her husband in a tragic accident and has a very difficult son um, and has to deal with her son's fear of the Babadook, a picture book monster who has come to life. Um, Did yeah. we show it already? I thought we were going to show it as the 10-year anniversary. No, we showed it at one of our Halloween. Halloween. Like, oh, we yeah. did. We showed it on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, yeah, 10-year anniversary next, uh, 2025. We have to oh. figure out... We got to make that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's one of the best, uh, like maternal horror movies, um, beautifully constructed, wonderful to look at, uh, with a lot of creepy odes to horror history. So it's really nice to, you know, like Jennifer Kent obviously knows what she's doing. <laughs> um, and yeah, it has a lot of like heft and, and angst and, um, and maybe another example of, of the ending kind of being maybe not as, as strong as, you know, most of the film, but... Um, I love the ending. Yeah, it could, you could see either way. Like, it can kind of, you know, sometimes it works for me, sometimes it doesn't, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I really... I also, like, someone, like, Jennifer Kent, like, you know, she, this is her debut, I believe, and um, she's kind of an older director, which is great, you know, and she's gone on to make the nightingale which is also amazing uh which is also on my honorable mentions and uh yeah 
just fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone, it's kind of like a known thing that this is a masterpiece, but I still wanted to include <laughs> this film. Yeah. Yes. Is, is it my turn? Mm -hmm. Then uh, I believe the next one that I'll choose is Prevenge mm. from mm -hmm. Alice Lowe, 2016. Uh, she wrote, directed, and starred in the film when she was eight months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And she is uh, basically possessed by the by the murderous spirit of her unborn baby who is compelling her to kill various people around her. And it's also a, a grief horror because she's mm -hmm. suffering from the, the death of her husband. So this is this is definitely a yeah, this is, it's a very uh prevalent theme in a lot of the pics that we have here, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um but this film is just fucking downright hilarious too. It's a dark comedy. There's a really memorable Halloween scene where she's like made up in this kind of day of the dead uh, facial makeup and like moving through the streets. And it's like a very, you know, re reflecting her, her mental state of horror in a sense. Um, yeah. I think it's like a very honest film. <laughs> it's one of the, more potent examples of showing like messy unruly motherhood and ambivalence around that theme um yeah yeah we, we showed it as well right sometimes it's hard to I'm like we, we talk about this film all the time but did we show it yes <laughs> um, yeah i think it's 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 hilarious dark comedy they also made um she made that film called what was it called the sightseers mm -hmm. ah yes um, also quite funny. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer this one. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Prevent was, was going to be my number three as well, but oh. I'm going to shift things around because I, like, I agree with you, Sarah. It's such a wonderful film. I don't actually find it hilarious though. I find it disturbing. Like, I think the first time I watched it, I thought it was funny. And the second time I was like, this is really messed up. Interesting. Um, I think I've, you know, yeah, I mean, it's due for another viewing for me. Yeah. Um, and it also had, I was talking about uh, Dead Man's Shoes, the uh, Shane Meadows film. It has a similar structure and a similar kind of feel, like that British, gritty British revenge film, um, which is very compelling and just filled with, like, really good performances by quite interesting, complex actors. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good choice. Thank you. Oh yeah, I have another quick addition, which is since you mentioned, since you mentioned the invitation earlier, I feel like I would be remiss in not mentioning Jennifer's body as an honor honorable mention for the two oh, thousands. That's true. Because Karen Kusam is just a badass, and oh, I think we we have to mention more of her work. I didn't know you like you like Jennifer's body so much. Okay. It's got a lot to it. I feel like I've read so many like queer redemptive readings of that film right, right. that have definitely enhanced it in my eyes in a lot of mm -hmm. ways mm -hmm. and it's really smart it's actually really smart mm. and the ways that like the critics completely misunderstood it and panned it and didn't sure. recognize any of the feminism within it also makes me appreciate it all the more yeah, <laughs> hmm. yeah. not to mention yellow jackets that she was so involved with mm. like just see the brutality you know, in the invitation, the like the stark brutality and pain of both, I guess, Jennifer's body and the invitation just go mm -hmm. through into yellow jackets, and she just 
fucking runs with that. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Totally. She also made Destroyer. Yeah. Which is a very in- interesting film. I haven't thought that much about it since I saw it, but I feel like I would like to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, little little tribute to Karen Kusama. She's awesome. But I didn't want to cut off your uh your third pick, Jess. So please, uh, yes, go ahead. Oh, thank you very much. Um, well, I was going to go with Prevenge, but instead I'm going to go with the, the Golden Glove, the Fatih oh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, it was a toss-up between this and the, ha- the house that Jack built. Um, really? I have such mixed feelings about that film. Uh, as you should, as you should <laughs> with any, like, serial killer films made by white men with power. Um, in both of actually um, only in one of these cases um, you should always be a little cautious while going in but I feel also that... kind of an asshole yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's <remember> not forget <laughs> lest we forget how he treated Bjork uh, but the golden glove um, stayed with me it stayed with me oh, yeah. it will always be with me <clears throat> it forced its way into my DNA it's a brutal brutal film um, you know about real events in Hamburg in the 1970s. It's, it's, you know, the, the main character has this prosthetic nose, but is based on the, the real serial killer who picked off people who were ignored by society. And it is very violent and, and it shows him manipulating his way into their lives and, and killing them. And, and it's very much a film about post-war Germany and the people who are kind of reeling from what has just happened without being allowed to talk about it or being able to talk about it or being able to vocalise what has happened. And it's people who drink and they drink and they listen to Schlager music to like cover up the rot that's underneath this society where they haven't come to terms with what has happened in the country and yeah, the brutality of that film just it blew my mind, really. Um Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um actually, yeah, the, the also the way he disposed of the bodies, right? It was like kind of under underneath his floorboard or something. Oh yeah. Which is kind of similar to the the British serial killer, right? The Dennis Nielsen guy. Yeah. Who also, yeah. also a film made by him uh, about him, a cold, cold light of day, which mm-hmm. is directed by a woman. So, is it? Uh, yeah, it's hopefully going to be one of our retrospective films at some point. Oh, amazing! Yeah, because yeah, we watched that cool. together. Up the drain. We did, yeah. Cold light of day. Yeah, this was very like uh, Henry vibes to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Oh, it was the block drains, wasn't it? Ooh, oh. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, um. Great. Okay, so my last pick uh, for the tens is, um, I guess one could call it horror adjacent as well, but whatever. Um, we need to talk about Kevin. Oh, hell yeah. From 2011. Yeah, that was in my honorable mentions for okay. sure. Nice. Uh, directed by Lynn Ramsey, the great Lynette Ramsey. Um, yeah, it's just, what a film. I mean, such a great depiction of, of the ambivalence of motherhood um regretting motherhood potentially like being trapped in a family unit um 
with such superb cinematography and like the way that characters are framed separately, like they're islands away from each other or islands within themselves. Um, and uh, the little heartbreaks that uh, the Tilda Swinton character, uh, Eva, experiences and endures. Um, the child, Kevin, observing human behavior, like kind of a, an alien and pretending his whole life with his father. Um, yeah, so yeah, you can argue that it's not like a horror film, but I do believe it's filled with so much like dread and tension Oh yeah, uh, like that scene know. where you know Tilda comes or Eva comes home and opens the patio door to find her, spoiler, uh, daughter and husband dead. Um, yeah, so what can I say? Like some films just uh, cast a spell on me, um, a strange spell, and this is definitely one of these films. Um, yeah, and we showed it at our very first fest. We sure did. We showed it at like one thirty in the morning. (laughs) Three people there because we were so late. Everything had incurred like forty-five minute to one hour delays, and then by the end, it was supposed to be a midnight screening. And there were these like few diehards that stuck around (laughs) until one thirty to watch this damn movie with us. (laughs) We should maybe show it again. Yeah, we should show it again. It's a A makeup screening. Yeah. Anyway, I love it. I love this film a lot. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Lynn Ramsey is amazing. Yeah. Okay, Sarah. Okay. Sorry, I'm ser- currently searching uh, for years of, uh, of some films just to okay. wonder if, they, if they're going to make it onto my, uh, onto my honorable mentions. But okay. yes, they will. Um, so I guess the last film that I'm going to choose is Satan's Slaves. Oh, uh-huh. in 2017, it's an Indonesian film directed by Joko Anwar or Yoko Anwar. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, and this is just a super fun kind of like family horror haunting film. Uh, it has a it, it plays a lot with like, you know, a pact. There's like pacts with Satan. There's supernatural elements. There's like a well in the basement that's always threatening to swallow up the children. There's the father who disappears and like all hell breaks loose in the family structure. He doesn't disappear. He goes off to like deal with business and leaves these children alone to fend for themselves against supernatural forces. Um, There's like questions about like religion and faith that there's like people from the outside who are saying like, Oh, well you should pray. And then like these religious people all befall the worst possible fates. So it's like very sort of, um, it's like a very smart and like critically reflective kind of film about, about these structures, but also super fun. Mm-hmm. And I watched it at, um, at Fantasia in Montreal. And then I rewatched it again, like last month and was super, still super uh, enjoyed it a lot. So cool. I can yeah. recommend it. Nice. Yeah. Have you seen it, Ellie? No, I think I'm confusing it with another film, another Indonesian mm-hmm. recent film. Like a kind of yeah. a there's also a recent sequel which I've heard is really good. Okay, yeah, and it's ba- it's based on a f- series from the '80s. There were a few Satan slaves films from the uh, '80s as well, okay. also Indonesian. Um, so nice. these are kind of like updates of that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, honorable mentions for you, Sarah. Yes. Shall I go? Yes. Okay. So yes, I had Hereditary and Midsummer. Mm-hmm. online as well as the witch 
Right. Which I feel like I also very well could have talked about and I possibly even love it a little bit more than all the films that I chose. But I was just like, all right, we all know The Witch. We all know and love The Witch. Um, it's amazing. And Black Phillip forever. <laughs> um, after that, Tigers Are Not Afraid, which we yeah. showed in 2018 and had a really awesome packed screening with a direct, the director present in Q&A, and that was awesome. I think it was a, a producer, one of the, but yeah. Okay, my bad. <laughs> I'm like uh, idealizing it in my head. She, she was awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, I chose a couple others from our festival as well. Most Beautiful Island. Mm. This one really stuck with me and really haunted me. And yeah. also Cam. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed a lot and appreciated that a sex worker was the writer of the film. Um, yeah, that was in my honorable mentions too. Nice. And then finally, I was just checking the date of this, but the the Duke of Burgundy mm, uh-huh. from Peter Strickland. And I'm also a huge Peter Strickland fan. Yes, me too. Great. Oh, yeah. And the invitation I didn't have, but I added it to my list. As <laughs> <laughs> you should. Uh, Jess, okay, I'll, I'll go with my honorable mentions. Um, so also Midsommar, um, also Prevenge, The Witch, uh, Tigers Aren't Afraid, um, Hounds of Love, which we also... Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, get Out. Of course. Uh, did, I, did, I, did I say Get Out? No. no. Oh, it was on my list. It was right underneath The Witch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're carried um, away by The Witch. That's true. Um, the Nightingale, uh, Super Dark Times, which is a great little... Oh, yeah, this was Teenage Boys, right? Yes, yes, I really like that one. And uh, Bedeviled, which is this Korean film, uh, I'd also really recommend if you haven't seen, um, about this um, this kind of very remote Korean island, and this, I believe, yeah, this one kind of successful businesswoman comes back to her home hometown or home island, um and uh is kind of faced with um just how shitty things are uh for the people there and there's one woman there who is uh kind of abused by the villagers and uh basically takes revenge um but it's also like in a way like a friendship film (laughs) in a way a toxic friendship movie um and it really goes hard what's that I never heard of this, and I'm very okay. curious about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw it years ago, um, but it's still stuck in my in my mind. So I, I really needed to to mention it. Um, yeah, it's not super fresh, but I know that I really liked it. And then uh, finally, Saint Maud. Um, oh my god! How did I not remember that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, this was actually like it was gonna maybe be in my top three, but um, so yeah, good. I love the film. Also, we try to you know find this uh, movie for the fest for years and. Uh, it was just like that whole journey of like trying and failing and trying makes oh, yeah. it even more special somehow. And so also the expectations were really high because we were waiting for it for so long and then it didn't disappoint, which is great. So yeah, those are my, my mentions. What about you, Jess? Um, so I was, um, I was considering this film for my top three, but I rewatched it and, um, was a bit less impressed than I was the first time I saw it, and that's Rubber, the film about the killer tire. <laughs> um, the first time I watched it, I, I, it blew my mind. I think it was back when I was buying uh, weed chocolate quite regularly, <laughs> living in Seattle. Sense. It's definitely a good stoner movie. Um, it lets itself down, I think, 
in the last sort of 20 minutes because mm. it's it's quite an interesting conversation about spectatorship and and how you perceive a film and and then it kind of just fizzles out a bit um mm. uh then I'm going two two brutal as fuck Australian films, uh, The Loved Ones and Snowtown. Mm. Um, Snowtown is the one I was going to rewatch last night um, and had been putting off and putting off and putting off, and I continued to put off watching mm-hmm. Snowtown um, because it's a really really intense serial killer film. Yeah, um, with lots of Australian brutality, the way that Australians only Australians can do brutality. Um, the Loved Ones is really fun. I remember it now. It's totally fun, but it, it's yeah. also pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so good for them. Uh, the Woman, Lucky McGee, yeah. again, um, was incredible. And I didn't rewatch it for my top three because I assumed one of you guys would say it, actually. So <laughs> more for me. Um, and uh, The First Purge. I'm standing by the first purge. I think it's a post get out horror movie about the experiences of of black people, black and Hispanic people living in America. It's actually quite an intelligent film. The purge film started off really terrible and seemed to be getting better. Hmm. Um, okay. She says softly. Because I thought the purge election year was actually quite watchable as well. But the first purge, the whole concept of it is that sort of Staten Island is the place where they're testing the purge. Um, and actually the residents all kind of bound together to stop it from happening and all the kind of working class people who live there try and stop it happening and then are infiltrated mm. in order to make it happen by government agents, which I I kind of love as a political idea. Um, and I'm also going to go with Ma, because Octavia <laughs> Spencer should be in, in every film nice. ever. Oh, um, and uh, Happy Death Day. Okay. Is Snowtown also called the Snowtown Murders? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I haven't heard of it, but I'm going to check it out. It was on um, Netflix for all. That's how we watched it. And yeah, it's. I mean, I really want to watch it again, but I really can't face watching it again because it's brutal and intense. And it's about a 14-year-old boy. His mother's new boyfriend kind of leads him into a, a dark path. And yeah. it's based on reality real life and it's and the main guy is so good he's so horrible Mm. (laughs) i'm totally gonna check it out yeah he's in the babadook as well the main actor nice we've talked a lot about lots of movies Uh, i don't know if we can even answer this question but um did you kind of notice certain trends maybe like things Mm. that um yeah always kind of what's the word that we were using for the boyfriends shit like some kind of really word that means Uh, insufferable twat i think insufferable twat boyfriends (laughs) (laughs) oh man i noticed among mine there were some evil children movies Mm -hmm. from the earlier decades yeah yeah i mean Um, just seeing how many female directors were in our later lists compared with the early ones a major thing you know it's yeah. festivals like final girls that help get the word out as well that, that so many more women are making horror women and people of color as well and like these stories are ripe for horror um because of the societal oppression that people are talking about in different ways now totally yeah yeah 
Um, no, yeah, it definitely felt good to, as you said, Sarah, to kind of add a lot more uh, women-made horror. <laughs> yeah, that did feel good in the later decades, finally. Yeah. So, I mean, the 70s is definitely one of my favorite decades for horror, but I'm very sad that none of the films on my 70s list were made by women. There yeah. were, I mean, I had Don't Look Now, which is written by Daphne du Maurier. Her work mm. also showed up a lot in my earlier decades. Mm. Mm-hmm. It had been based on books by her or stories by her. Um, yeah, yeah, and lots of, of course, extremely strong uh, performances by women, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Sissy Spacek and Chelly Duvall and Three Women, um, and Delphine Seyrig and Daughters of Darkness, the star of Alucarda, whose name I don't remember. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, a lot of these films are driven by these incredible, unforgettable performances by women, Isabella Johnny in, in Possession, and so on. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, I'd also yeah. say for me, like a lot of films that deal with human horror, kind of, so nothing too far fetched in a sense, um, mm-hmm. like dealing with, with human trauma and issues, um, and more leaning on the not like doing it kind of in a way respectively or sensitively, not in poor taste. Uh, that's kind of. Um, mm. what I, what I like most, I think. Um, and also, yeah, like random acts of, of horror, just how things can kind of, uh, surprise you and life is random and, and horror is random. <laughs> it can happen from any, you know, anywhere at any time. Mm. Um, that kind of speaks to me as well. And yeah, a lot of, um, strong women and, and yeah, performances, uh, for sure. And lots of like very evocative and strong visual worlds. Mm-hmm. A lot of the films, thinking of like Haozu and then also House of a Thousand Corpses, right. even even trash horror like Killer Clowns. <laughs> yeah. All of these are, um, yeah, a lot of these films are very. They are they suck you into their their visual world. Yeah. Really yeah. immersive, kind of way. And so you were saying 70s is pretty much your favorite horror decade, I guess? Yeah, there's really no no competition. I mean, the later decades are, there's so much amazing work coming out too, but I feel a certain affinity to the 70s horror that is just like, yeah. I know that when I, when I discover a new, like, not new, but like a film from the 70s that people are, you know, really excited about that I haven't seen yet. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, yes, like I need this. I, I get excited about it in a way that I don't get excited about with other decades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I actually feel the same way, yeah. I wonder if there's something in that about it being past and the fact that we're not subjected to the marketing. Like when new films come out, you know, you hear about them and you hear the buzz and it's it's very different to the more alienating feeling of watching it by yourself in a dark room and feeling like you don't know if other people have seen this film. I find mm-hmm. there's like a magic in that. Um, when you like almost discover a film that is from you know a, a decade where you weren't alive <laughs> yeah it's like uncovering an artifact and there's something very exciting and creepy about that that adds to the horror totally especially and if it's a really like, shit copy yeah um and also like in terms of like there's no, never like you're never capping it like it's all, there's always more and that's also like in a way dealing with your own mortality maybe that like even mm-hmm. in a decade like long ago there's still more there's still so much richness and I don't know it's kind of in a way mm-hmm. con- connected to my sense of time and 
mortality, maybe. That's so true. That's really beautiful. Mm. Yeah, there's always so much to discover. And that's part of the excitement of being a cinephile, I think. Yeah, that is definitely true. Aw, look at us. Okay. <laughs> we love movies. We get really fuzzy about them. Although saying that, like when I was making my list, one of the things that kind of kept sticking out was like, do I select the films that I could, I just, it's impossible to forget. Thinking about like The Golden Glove is a film that, and, and um, Snowtown as well. The difference between sort of trying to select a film because it spoke to me as a film or a film that was like so incredibly brutal that I couldn't not think about mm, it. Right. You know, I think mm-hmm. there is a difference there. Like I'm never going to unsee Terrifier 2, for example. Oh my <laughs> God, Terrifier 2. Did we, we watched that together, no? Yeah. We did. Terrifier. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I remember Rick recommending it to a friend and the whole time I was in, it was in such bad conscience. I was like, <laughs> You can watch this, but like you can never unsee it after that. So like, <laughs> think about it. You know, if that's really something you want. I mean, yeah. in, in Terrifier's case, there's something so I find so joyful about the ridiculous gore. Um, right. Whereas a film like you know The House That Jack Built or The Golden Glove <laughs> or Snowtown, these films that are just angrily brutal. About I think. That, they come away with no hope for humanity, with mm-hmm. no, yeah. yeah. And and while they're not films that I'll watch every day, like it's something I can't forget. Yeah, yeah. which, yeah, makes for an interesting piece of art. And it's, you know, a filmmaker's point of view, I don't necessarily have to agree with it. Mm. Huh. I also enjoyed reflecting on more horror adjacent picks. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. that's so much of what we watch that maybe other people don't think about in conversation with horror. They they really do. Uh, they're still part of this conversation. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It also reminds me, there's a film from the 90s I wanted to mention that I had forgotten about till today, which is What Happened Was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you show me that. I remember. Yeah. From Tom Noonan. Who is a very strange oh. character actor who also directed a couple films in the nineties? He was in the Monster Squad. Sorry. He was in the Monster Squad. He played Frankenstein in the Monster Squad. And he, he did. In, yeah, and he was in um, uh, the Hannibal Lecter one. Man- yeah, he was in Manhunter back That's in the one. day, and then later on he was in like some Charlie Kaufman stuff, like Synecdoche, New York, and he's just a weirdo. He's really like tall and, and gangly and strange looking. Yeah. Amazing. I'm just I just found him from uh was it Monster Busters? Oh, it was called Monster Squad in the UK. Why is it called Monster Busters here? Yeah, it's also called Monster Squad and a and a wiki link, but then it's listed as that on the headline. But yeah, yeah, he was he played Frankenstein. That's totally fitting. I hadn't seen it, but now uh I I'm I'm happy about that. i've been meaning to watch uh, the wife for ages would you recommend that it's also the tom noonan thing right i i don't know if i saw it did i see it was that the one that also had wallace shawn in it oh wow super i feel like he probably i feel like he worked with wallace shawn nice lucky ducks if he didn't then he should have it's just those two are connected in my head somehow (laughs) so like the the um director's cut of my dinner with andre Tom Noonan's the waiter. The wife. Tom Noonan. 
It's from 95. It won. Yeah, it is. It's with Wallace Shawn. Okay. That's good. I'm, gl- I'm glad I remembered that. Okay, nice. <laughs> I think somehow I never saw it. Okay. Just, I think it's impossible to find, you know? It's like oh, one of yeah. those. That's probably what took me so long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, what we saw from these lists, one thing that like really stood out was when I was going through my lists is how how differently I watch films now than I did or how differently I relate to films than I did. Like when I was younger, I realized like the way that I've always kind of watched films growing up was to find a film I loved and watch it and watch it and watch it, watch it every day until Mm. it became like part of my life. There are films, you know, like pie. I was talking about films even when I was at university that I would watch over and over again. And as I've got older and, you know, have other shit to do, (laughs) <laughs> I, d- I don't get to do that as much so I watch films mm. in a very different way and I relate to them in a very different way um so some of the ones on my list are the ones that I've actually have treated that way and I don't treat as many films that way so like Midsummer, I make a point of like going back and rewatching Midsummer when I when I need to <laughs> when I like emotionally <laughs> and spiritually need mm. to mm. um or you know, The Invitation's one of those films as well, and Baba Hotep as well, because I just go back and watch them because of the way they make me feel, but it's it's much more special, like, and it's much more rare, and it's not because the quality of films has changed, it's just the way my life has changed. Hmm. Yeah, I also think that the films, my relationship to them definitely has a lot to do with like how I saw them when I saw them with whom Mm -hmm. I saw them Mm. you know the memories that are connected to them yeah and then like you know nice memories of screening some films since we do that now with the fest or I did it also in the past with queer film club and like having these kinds of like social experiences around the films definitely like kind of cements them in my in my head and like with with certain kind of emotions and affect around them definitely yeah yeah that's it's been great kind of seeing what you what you what what's important to both of you or what what films you really really stood the test of time for you and totally yeah Mm -hmm. and also like where we're similar as well as nice and what are you know things that we still have yet to watch and you know yeah there's so so many films so little time yes but it like going through especially for the last couple of weeks when we were doing the later later decades Mm -hmm. to actually see how like horror films are evolving and how how exciting it is to be a horror fan right now um Mm -hmm. because there's so many interesting filmmakers exploring so many in so many directions that haven't been explored before and busting genres open and just it's a really exciting time to be a fan of horror um definitely yeah totally true we're spoiled for choice thank you yes (laughs) can i say a little thing about my mom of course yeah i also just wanted to kind of like dedicate this whole exploration to my mom in a way because she was a huge part of how I came into my love of cinema and my identity as as a cinephile and uh yeah we watched so many of the films I mentioned are films that she introduced me to or that we watched together for the first time and uh 
even still, when I see a film that speaks to her particular kind of sensibility, I, I think about her and yeah, I guess people who are listening don't know me, but those who, uh, those who do know that I, I lost her a few years ago to cancer. So she's, uh, but she's still very ever present with me in my journeys with films. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> she sounded so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, well, yeah, thank you again for dedicating so much time to this project. Uh, I'm really glad I did this with you too. Um, yeah. Welcome. I'm looking forward to the next one. Say that again? I'm looking forward to the next one. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) I I need a new project to revise for. Otherwise I'll be distracted and won't watch enough horror. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? to Chris Yoey Tokunaga for the music and Julie Saragoza for the sound mixing. You can follow Somebody's Watching on Instagram and Twitter, and you can also reach me anytime at somebodyswatchingpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe and rate Somebody's Watching on iTunes because it will really help with the podcast's visibility. Thanks! Thanks!